Sup, 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 sup. I don't even know what episode this is. Like 412. Do you or, know Joe Rogan's like on episode 1000 or something? I think you've mentioned that before. It drives me insane. You're, you're a rogue head. Half the time. You're like Or whatever they're called. I don't know. Uh, today on the podcast, do something different, but something old? Because we've done it before, what? but we don't do it often. Oh, we what? interviewed somebody. Oh yeah, I was like, wait, dude. You... Kind of. We kind of interviewed him. We kind of like. I feel like he. It wasn't so much an interview as much as a story time. Da- yeah, Daniel. I feel like you could be a. Um... You know how Kevin Smith did those one mic things where he just goes up and he talks for ninety minutes. That is literally what happened. That's what Daniel could do. Daniel has the stories. We didn't even get to the ones that I really wanted to get to, which were like. We talked about Daniel and his um Daniel, chef of Aquamer Catering. Yeah. Uh chef here in Houston, has worked at a bunch of different restaurants. Lifelong Shipley's donut man. And yeah, is a lifelong Shipley. So he has a he had a lot to unload about the food industry, but um he also has some fucking crazy stories that we didn't even touch on. Guys, just just those, wait for this. We'll save those for a different pod. Today we talk about the food industry. Casey and Daniel get the team up against me oh, many yeah. times. We do not side with Casey one bit. <laughs> there literally is not a moment where I, we're all on the same page. I, it's one of my favorite podcasts <laughs> of all time. It I was really getting a little hot. Yeah, you started like, was, getting really defensive. I was getting a little hot. Yeah. Um, besides that, I mean... You I'm, know, all, I'm all talked up. I got yeah. nothing left. <laughs> Daniel did it for us. Daniel, we love you, man. Thanks for being on the pod. Here we are. Yeah. What's up? What's up? How's it going? I'm fucking tired. Yeah? I'm beat. Nah, I'm alright. Yeah, you were working a long day today. I'm like getting that. real tan though. You notice yeah. like how tan I'm getting? You look good. I look like I'm actually Latin. Um, so today's a special day for us. It's Monday and I'm recording. I know. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, get, that I, don't, oh, I don't fuck The sacrifices I, he's made for the you sacrifices guys. sacrifices I make for the pod. <laughs> I record on Mondays. It's Taylor's day off. And what am I doing immediately after getting off the bike and a 10-hour shift? Mm-hmm. Recording this pod. I don't know where you find the energy to sit down and talk. But 26 years old, but I'm doing it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm killing it. I mean, um, it's been a long time since we've had a guest on the show. That it has. A long time. And Who was our last guest? We're not. Is it my wife? Was it? JB, it was Johnny. It was Johnny. Beavers. It was Johnny. It was Beavers. Johnny Beavers. Yeah. And we want to we want to have a follow up pod with him as he just he's pretty much just finished opening his new business. So yeah, for real. We'll have to jump back in with him. But uh, yeah, it's been about twenty or so episodes since we've had a guest, and we've. Can you got, believe that? Does that like get hit you a little bit? Like it makes me think that we talk about ourselves way too much, oh, and man. that we going back <laughs> a little bit. I'm like, what? <laughs> Am I an egomaniac? (laughs) 38 hours of me. (laughs) Welcome to Case by Case. Hundreds to come. The name is the podcast. Um, Today we have a chef. um, You got it. Yeah? Yeah, you got it. Say it. Daniel Liao. Liao? Liao. Liao. Daniel Liao. Yeah, you got it. Um, Salad. Of Shipley's fame, but moving on to bigger and better things every day as well. Hell yeah. Um. Nice to have you, Daniel. What's up, Daniel? Thank you. Thank you for the kind words, man. Yeah, man. Um, so just quickly before we jump into kind of like grilling you and asking you questions, and I know Casey has a lot of 
food stuff to talk to you about, why don't you just give us like a three-minute recap of who you are, what you do, and where you came from? Well, one, I'm not Montrose famous like you. But, True. Uh, but um, I've uh, been involved with Shipley's all my life, man, since I was a kid. Uh, when I was in the womb still, man. My family's always been involved with it. I grew up uh, in, in Shipley's uh, business, and uh, it was probably... When I was 20 years old, 21 years old, no, actually 23 years old when I decided to uh, shift to something else, man, and I started cooking professionally. When you say Shipley's all your life, do you mean that, like, your family owned a Shipley's, or they just worked at one? We, or? They always worked at one. Okay. You know, and uh, growing up uh, at the Shipley's. I would be in the office on the weekends when I wasn't at school. Wait, so your parents both work at the Shipley's? Yeah, they did. Well, That's my dad's kinda... deceased now, but... Okay. But, uh... But, like, growing up, both your parents were there in the Shipley's. Yeah. Always. That's kind of tight. Always, man. That's so you, like, really cool. you literally grew up inside of Shipley's. Like, instead yep. of going to... After school, whatever, you would come it's and like, run around yo, the donut shop and cause I, havoc. Well, after, after school, it, was, it wasn't really running. Well, yeah, you could say I was run, always running around. My parents would probably give you more stories about that because I was always acting up and stuff. Sure. But, uh... You know, growing up there, I would never have, like, the time to go outside and play or anything like that. Because mm-hmm. my dad would be like, hey, somebody didn't show up. We got to go to the shop. Or, hey, something happened at the shop. We got to go back over there. You know? How did you not get into, like, baking professionally at this point? <clears throat> yeah. You know? I don't know. I, I feel like I was so tired of the donuts, man. Like, it sounds as messed up as it is. I mean, yeah. I, I was so tired and frustrated because I felt like it took a lot of my life, mm-hmm. you know, growing up. And also, I feel like it took my dad away from me because my dad and my mom still to this day, my mom wakes up at four in the morning or three in the morning to be there at four or five. Yeah, that's like legit baker schedule. Yeah. That's badass. And she's not even making donuts or anything like that, but just the fact that she has to be there at the business. Yeah. So it's tough. So I felt like it took a lot from me. So I always had this love and hate for Shibley's. But um, it was... uh, it was a big, it's always been a big part of my life, man. Okay, gotcha. And Low-key, I really have been wanting to make, like, a proper donut. Yeah. And I don't know how. Hand. You want to show me how? Yeah. Okay, Anytime. that's something I've been wanting to do. I want to make donuts to just, like, fry them up for breakfast in the morning. And yeah. we need we need you there at 4 o'clock, too. Yeah, I'll be at 4 a.m. You know, I <laughs> Yo, have friends that I'll tell me all the time. I learn. Like, friends and people tell me all the time, oh, man, give me a shop at Shibley's or give me a job at Shibley's or uh, teach me how to do it. I'm like... You don't want to go, man. Like, yeah, it's 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 very tough. For, unless you really have a passion for it, do it. But sure. if it's not your thing, don't do it because you're gonna hate it. Like, I've met a lot of chefs like off and on throughout like working that, and I even when I worked at Toot Sweet because some of those guys worked at really good ones. And they just those guys have been working that schedule of like four a.m., three a.m. till like noon. And they've been doing it for years their yep. sleep schedule is like permanently messed up yeah they're like yeah i go to bed at like 6 7 p.m this is where i'm at my uncle has been working with us for about 20 years now yeah he still like has that routine schedule where he can go out drinking at night or whatever for his birthday and like now he'll try to take a day off but the next day but he will be there at 3 a.m making donuts like nothing that's not really how long do how long do the three a.m. people stay at the shop? Uh, eleven a.m. on usually on slow days, ten thirty, eleven a.m. So like a normal eight hour shift, it just starts yeah. Yeah. when it's dark outside. Yeah, but when it's busy, like Sundays during the school year, they don't leave sometimes till like noon or one. Yeah. So those eight hours turn into nine, and That's then a gnarly schedule. 
mostly Mondays when they have to change the the or filter the, the uh, oil or, or change the oil. Oh, man. It, they don't leave till like one, man. What gets busier, the drive through or the walk in? Both. Okay. Both. Just like, I feel like the drive through feels busy because there's a lot of people that don't want to get out their car. Right. They just want to sit in there and be on their phone while they're waiting. It's so hard to even see the menu from from the window but you already know it though like you know i kind of know it you know like i know what i like donuts i know but like if i'm like hey um it's like okay i know what i want but if they don't have what i want my plan b i'm never prepared really yeah like if i go in i'm like hey let me get a blueberry uh, glaze and they're like we don't have any i mean let me get a blueberry cake and we don't have any blueberry cake just get normal cake. We don't have any cake donuts. Then I'm like, uh, what? Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you exactly how the things are. The thing is that the cake donut, it's a little bit of more of a different process than the regular donuts, and it takes a little bit more time, not to make, but it's just a bit of a hassle getting in the way. To is do. it is it the dough or is it the baking time? That takes longer. The delicacy of the cake donut okay. is what's very hard because it can fall apart way easier. Or yes. Yeah. If you don't mix it right and then you dump it in the dispenser to like you know push them out, mm. they can break or they can have too much grease or they can be burnt or they can come out flat instead of round with that perfect you know uh, shape on it. I got you. Yeah. yeah. Your normal glazed donut's a pretty tough, tough thing. I would imagine. I just I this is something that's been on my mind. I knew you were coming on the pod. And I was like. I want to learn how to make a donut. I'm just throwing it out there. So, Let's so, do this. So you grew up, your parents were working in Shipley's. You were a, a young whippersnapper oh that, um, that caused havoc. And then it, it became time for you to work yourself, but you didn't want to work at Shipley's because, because you've just been around it so long. It's kind of like you don't want to go into the family business because it's the family business. No, actually, when I was little, all I wanted to do was work there because I was sick and tired of being in the back. My dad's like, "You can't be in the front. You Might get, well get trouble. paid for it. Oh, you, can't yeah. be in the, you can't be in. You know, you can't be in the front because you're gonna get us in trouble." And then he would hate it because I'll be in the back messing with stuff in the office. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, I was a kid, you know, and sometimes the storage room was like my playground. Like I would be, you know, rolling around on top of the sacks of flour or pretending like I was at war. Pretending <laughs> there were sacks of, yeah, you know, like they have them in, in the old school movies of, of war, you know, for sure. And then as I got older, I was I just always wanted to be up there because that's where all the movement was. That's where all the people was, mm-hmm. you know, um, and the employees were I always see them joking around, laughing and stuff. And I wanted to be a part of that, you know. But then, I remember when I first started learning how to use a register. We had an employee that was uh, that was pregnant, and she just wasn't feeling well. Man, she just wanted like to put her head down, kind of rest. And my dad that day, uh, there was an issue going on in the back of, of the shop. I think it was like one of the mixers wasn't working or something. And I remember being in the front, and I was just kind of like ringing up, like charging people, and they were like, "Man, you're." too little like what are you doing over here and the girl was just kind of like guiding me but yeah you know i was helping her out sure so she was very grateful about it and then what age is this i was probably like nine years old that's early for child labor that's some serious child labor yeah Yeah. nice (laughs) and then uh you know my dad was kind of like oh god well i'm busy over here i don't have time to be focusing on on him right now sure He's, as long as he doesn't break anything, everything's okay. So as long as he can play ignorant to the authorities, I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> I was just pressing buttons. I didn't say nothing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, man, growing up there, you know, it was it was very different. And one of my nephews is there all the time because of my sister. Well, not as much now, but mm-hmm. uh, he grew, he was growing up in the shop just like me. And I could tell my sister, oh man, I can relate to him. 
you know. Yeah. But we didn't have Netflix back then. Now you put Netflix on and everything stops. Like they're just like distracted with that. You know? <laughs> I gotcha. Uh, so there's like a TV in the back and people are just. And the com- in the office we have a computer, so okay. you know. You zone watching Netflix, bro. That's how you calm them out. Yeah. Calm them down now. So okay. I gotcha. So and when did the move from like Shipley's? I know there's like a gap from like wanting to work there Shipley's to kind of wanting to take cooking to a different more serious level so when i went to culinary school right away the chef there told me look man i can see you you really like this this mm-hmm. is this seems natural to you get yourself in a kitchen during the summer like that's the only way you're gonna learn and you're gonna learn everything in a kitchen that would take you two years in culinary school you're gonna learn in probably like two months yeah so i was like okay so that day after class, I went with my now wife at the time was girlfriend. Uh, we went to go eat at this spot called Little Bigs. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was a little burger a slider place. We went to eat there and the one, the one on Montrose and Westheimer. It used to be there, and then they moved Montrose and can't remember the other street, but it was further down Montrose. Yeah. Oh, they moved closer to the museum district after that. Yeah, right? and then after the hurricane, it got flooded and then closed okay. permanently. This is pre- this is pre me moving here and pre. But you know where the Everest. burger joint's at? Yeah, that's where Little Bigs was. Okay, it gotcha. used to be there. Cool, cool, cool. It was smaller than what Burger Joint joint is now. I got gotcha. you. So all right, it was one of those places that um was like a cursed location. Like every business that went there oh, went yeah. out of business, and that's what Torchies also was. The building Torchies is at. Oh really? A revolving business. So. A chain can only exist in places like that. Well, the thing about Little Bigs, man, it was very successful there. It oh, was, really? Yeah. But the thing is that, the be, one, because it had the chef that owned was part owner of it, had a name on it, so people knew that it was his. And then uh, what, what made them leave that location to go further down was because... Uh, they were charging. They were trying to bring up the prices on the rent for them. So they were. I got you. No, they moved further, and then it wasn't as successful as it was. There's not that much traffic there for people, mm-hmm. and uh, it just didn't do so well. And then sure. Harvey was kind of like the excuse for them to kind of be like, "All right, well, let's just close this place." We're out. I got you. You think in hindsight he would make the move again, or he would, or he'd stick on the corner? Man, it's actually been so hard for him to get back up on his feet, because uh, basically all the spots that he had all closed because they also had a portable pop-up tray or thing they used to take around sometimes too yeah they did it every now and then but they would do it downtown off of allen parkway all that right there they would park the truck here and there but they just after um after harvey all his locations that he had most of them closed down except jackson street barbecue and real tex-mex i've seen this okay yeah because i saw the trailer i was like trying to figure out like what it's like it sounded familiar, and I didn't know it was in Montrose, but like, okay, yeah, it was just nonstop sliders. Yeah, I think I saw them. At it was like get, three in order. Yeah, order. yeah. What okay, was your cool. role at that place? Well, I didn't have a role there. What happened was that I left culinary school and went to go eat there, mm-hmm. and the manager there is like, "Hey, you're in culinary school." I'm like, "Yeah." He saw my jacket, and he was like, "You looking for a job?" I'm like, "Actually, yes," because at the time we were, we had a shop inside Bush Airport at Shipley's. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're closing it after 13 years. The city didn't want to renew a contract. They kind of wanted to put it other local businesses there, which Shipley's is local, but they wanted to put like a, a raised barbecue shack and some other things, you know. So we closed the airport. I was like, yeah, I'm actually looking for a place to go. That's kind of my excuse to not 
drive so far anymore because I was driving an hour away, hour there, an hour back to work, and and I just hated the airport. I was like, I'm tired of it. Like I want, I really want to get away from Shipley's and kind of do my own thing. Yeah. So he's like, all right, if I can get you an interview at a restaurant, would you take it? I'm like, yeah. So I was like, okay. So he came back with a beer, and he's like, I hope you're 21. I'm like, yeah, I'm 23. He's like, all right, cool. He's like, here's a beer, drink it. You got an interview in 10 minutes, and I'm like. Okay, I drank the beer. I drove over there as quick as possible, which was right down the street. Where was it? Uh, it was Reef, right there on uh, McGowan, and uh, I think it's Louisiana or, or yeah, yeah. Where that was like, yeah, okay. So I went inside, spoke to the chef, and the chef's like, you know, what do you what do you know how to do? We'll kind of talk for a bit. He's like, all right, look, I'm gonna start you off plating pastries. You know, that's all you're gonna be doing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. Fine, but I really wanted to cook, and I just didn't want to put pastries on a plate. He's like, "No, nah, don't worry about it. I need to know where you're at, and then we'll figure out where to put you." I was like, "Okay, cool." So, so he like he had hired you, or you were just kind of stodging at that point? No, he told me you got the job. Oh, cool. So I went like two days later. Just happened to be eating a little big. <laughs> yeah, and, and I hired, find out that he at Reef. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, that's not. It doesn't happen, man. That's so a lot right? of yeah. a lot of people that I knew were you, like, dude, I thought that story hell? was gonna go, and then I served at Little Bigs for three years. No. I, yeah, that's what I thought. It was like this build. It's like, no, I had a beer, <laughs> and then I started working at like Brian Caswell's restaurant. Yeah, whatever. So when I went in there, I I knew who Brian Caswell was. Uh, I'd never seen him. He had never really been there. He had a, a another chef there that was the executive sous chef, mm-hmm. uh, J D. Fauché. He's uh. He's cooking right here at uh, at Real down the street from you. So. He's there, JD. Yeah. Okay, I'd met him once before. Yeah, he works with uh, Ryan. Uh, Lashane. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got gotcha. you. So, um, JD was an executive sous chef at the time, and he was kind of teaching me some stuff. And then um, he was like, uh, "Well, this is all you're gonna do. You're gonna plate desserts." So I'm plating desserts, man, and it was the biggest ass whooping I've ever gotten. Like, I mean, I would think because I would get one in, I'd be like, "All right, boom, plate the dessert, send it out, perfect, right?" But the kitchen was so goddamn small, dude. There at Reef, <laughs> right? And I'm a big guy trying to squeeze through all these people yeah. while they're working the line, and they're kind of just like, "Hey, get the fuck out the way," you know? Like, yeah, you know, I was a kitchen bitch, you know, oh, starting man. there, and it was just like shit. And the other thing is that. And the kitchen community, man, like, if Hispanics itself, like, uh, they see somebody come in there, they're like, oh, this guy isn't shit, you know? Because they feel threatened, like, this guy's going to come in here, could probably take my job kind of thing. You know, and the reason I say it is because I see it at Shipley's. Like, we hire somebody else, and the guys are kind of like, hey, man, you know, I just want to warn you about so-and-so, you know? And they kind of just start intimidating the employee. Mm. To kind of either make them leave. Thank you for validating this because this is so it, It's real. true, man. It's fucking this is true. so real. And what's crazy, man, is that it sucks, dude, because I'm there trying to just fucking learn. I'm not trying to run the restaurant right. or take their position. I just want to cook, man. And these guys see it as like, this guy can come in here. Oh, they'll throw you under the bus yeah. real quick. He, he's fucking from here, so he's not going to have trouble finding a job. Fuck that. Like, I'm not going to let this guy. Isn't, isn't that just new guy? mentality at any place though. I don't know man because no, everyone, I was working on that truck with like two other guys that I mean they've been in the country for a while but they're from Guatemala and as soon as I started working on the truck and I like had already known the owners and everything everything I did was wrong everything I did was trash I couldn't cook I couldn't talk I couldn't speak well enough Spanish anything it's like everything I did in their eyes 
until you kind of got to know them or on their level. You're saying was trash. the new guys was calling you trash. Oh, no. The guys who were there yeah. called me trash. Oh. And it has nothing to do with, like, the fact that I'm you. I don't know. It's just like, oh, this guy's from here. He's from the U.S., speaks English. It's like, ah, okay. And it's fucked up, man. But some guys think like that, man. It's, yeah. It, it's, it's tough, man. And... um like I had this issue, but I'm I'm still confused. Why would why would guys from Guatemala have an upper like, hand to to you? They don't. They're, well, one, like protective. One, a lot of times you can get hired, get paid less, you know. And so you you guys aren't saying that people feel threatened by you, or what? I'm I'm really I'm confused saying, with the argument when, here. I'm saying that people feel threatened by us when we start working at new spots. That's how it happened. That's how I felt when I went to Reef. Like, as soon as I got there, like, one guy was like, I don't give a shit. I'll teach this guy, you know? And everybody else was like, who the fuck is this guy, you know? It's like Hispanics and Latinos undercutting each other. Yeah. It's a weird thing. And my thing was oh, like... It's oh, other, it's other Latinos doing it, too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You I just thought like, it was like randos, like, I just didn't the understand new- how the Guatemalan person would have an upper hand in the kitchen that just started. He doesn't. That's the thing. It's like, he's had to work... But that's why like, they feel threatened. Yeah. You know, they're like, this guy can come in. The other, the other cooks feel threatened. Yeah. Yeah, when you say from here, it's like from the U.S., from Texas, from mm-hmm. wherever, it's like, that guy feels threatened, and it's just like, always undercutting. So... It's real. We're saying... We're saying that the immigrants feel threatened by the people who live in Houston. Yeah, they kind of feel like... Well, I think so. They, not to, what I want to say is like they feel like, okay, this guy can easily replace me, and it'll be easier because, one, he, he has, he's, he's legal here. He can come in here, pick a job anywhere, and it'll be harder for me to pick up a job somewhere else Yeah. because I would have to either come up with papers... Just more or, territorial. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So, you they're, know... They're probably a little... Um, I would imagine the language barrier provides a huge chip on their shoulder. No, man. Actually, they they pick up English quick, and the chefs pick up Spanish even faster in the kitchen, because they're like they'll communicate and they'll learn how to communicate with each other. That they just they work so well together after a while, man. You know, so I got sick of people talking trash to me in Spanish, so I just got a lot better at speaking Spanish. It's like okay, I know what he's saying now. But going to Reef, man, like these guys were. They could tell, man. Like they, they were just giving me shit. They would say really? like side comments, indirect comments, and shit like that. And to me, it was like, man, I, don't, I really don't give a fuck. Like I'm just trying to learn this shit so I can fucking cook over there with these guys on the actual line because I'm just fucking playing desserts. How long did you work at Reef? Uh, so it's the funniest thing. So at Reef, I worked um three months in the beginning, right? And the only reason I worked three months was because my mentor uh, was running or still running weights and measures and he's a chef there and you know before i got the job at reef i was telling him like man get me in your kitchen i want i want to work under you i want you to teach me everything he's like yeah if i find a spot i'll put you in there you know so he called me and he's like look a spot open i can teach you you know and i said okay fine i had already picked up the you know the movement and everything there like i was just there three months man and i already caught on to a lot of stuff there at reef uh, like two weeks in, I got moved from desserts to plating the raw bar, which was all the raw seafood, ceviche, all this stuff. Do you feel like a restaurant's a, a either place that you're either gonna you're gonna get the flow, or you're not gonna get the flow? Yes. Like by three months, it was either gonna be a place you're comfortable a with, week, it, or you man. were never gonna it's be a comfortable week. there. It's so sink or yeah. swim at that point. Yeah, yeah. it's a week. Yeah. Man. So three months, people gonna be like, oh, this guy's already looking for 
you know, looking on the other side of the fence for greener pastures. But really, by now, you know, yeah. you you got the you know you, you know that you like being in a kitchen at this point. Yeah, no, I you know I, how to I knew be it. I knew it right away because before I started working in an actual professional kitchen, um, I did the Shell Houston Open. You know, there was a sign there at the school, culinary school, like anybody wants to get some experience, sign up. We'll be paying, uh, I think, two hundred bucks a day. And I'm like, okay, cool, shit, I'll take it. And I signed up. Not knowing what it actually brought, you know, like you're out there, it was fucking hot. It was like April, mm-hmm. you know, it was already hot in Houston. There's no trees out there. It's a golf course, man. So it's nothing out there. The tents, you know, they have all these smokers inside tents. They have fryers, flat tops, all these things in there, and it's just hot as hell, dude. Well, I was out there, and since I was the new guy out there. They had me doing barbecue the whole time outside on a smoker that was 300 and uh, I think like 300 degrees or 275. And I had to just load them up full of briskets. It was like 50 briskets in one, uh, 50 pork butts in the other one, and then walk to the other side. Of, oh, yeah, because I didn't have a golf cart. I wasn't, a, you know, nobody big there. So I had to walk like a fucking mile or two to get to the other kitchen on the other side of the golf course. Fill those up with brisket and pork butts and then walk back to the other side on the other smoker that we had already set up from the day before. Pull those off, break everything apart, and then oh load up everything. Yeah, this whole sounds time. miserable. It was the whole time it was in the heat, man. You know, yeah. so I was so fucking sore and and sunburnt. I was like, damn, you know, but I, I didn't give up, man. I was like, man, look, everything you have doesn't matter where you go, you have to start from the bottom, you know. So I figure, all right, this is a transition. I can't be comfortable like I was at Shipley's where I'm making a certain amount of money. I can lay back now, you know, uh, watch TV or get on the computer, kind of slack off a little bit. Mm. It's like I'm starting new, so I have to run through everything, understand everything, you know. And that's where I I knew that the kitchen wasn't easy, you know. I did it for a whole week just for that event for the Shell Houston Open. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll move on to a kitchen. And then I started working at Reef. I learned pretty fast there. And when I went to Weights and Measures, I was literally there for two weeks. And then I got I got an offer uh, to go open up a restaurant in the Heights. So your transition from Reef to, to Weights and Measures, did you make that move simply because of your mentor? Well, yes, because he told me, I'm going to teach you. But he's like, in order for you to be a well-rounded chef, Chefs aren't just cooking now, man. These guys can smoke barbecue. These guys can make pizzas. These guys can bake. They can do pastries. They can do everything, you know? Yeah. He's like, and it's harder for chefs that have been doing this for a long time. We focus so much on certain things that now any guy can come in and be like, I can do it all. And he'll get the job over you. Right. So I was there for two weeks. Uh, I feel like every industry is moving that way. You can no longer be be a specialty person. Mm -hmm. It's like... You even well-rounded. Like even sports is going that way. There's no longer just, like, the guy who can, like, post up. You have to be able to shoot a three now, too. Oh, yeah. It's like everything. The big guy shooting a three is, like, very real. Yeah, it's like everything is just like, hey, we want more out of people now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, if we're going to pay that extra dollar, we need to see it. You right. Know? I got hired at Nancy's because I served the chef coffee, and I had also made him tacos. And he had recognized me serving him coffee. And was like, you worked on the taco truck across the street, too. I was like, yeah. It's like... You were grumpy at me in the <laughs> coffee shop. You were kind of grumpy, but you were like moving the line really, really fast and you were super fun. And outside the taco truck was bomb. 
and it's like if you can do both you can work here and so that's that was it like i staged one night and he was like yeah you're hired and that's the cool thing about it man like you can see and a friend of mine told me this once and you don't have a drug problem also it, helps right yeah you don't have a drug problem hiring in the yeah. kitchen true yeah <laughs> but a lot of people pick up that that habit there yeah right? yeah that's a very <laughs> that's a very scary thing right? that's that real. industry life yeah oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah and no, i try to stay away from guys man that that i know they're involved in or whatever whatsoever if anybody does drugs i kind of try to stay away from it can i ask you when you've because you've worked in kitchens off and on for i mean for a while now do you think you've seen the industry as a whole like kind of get away from like that old school mentality of like 18 hour days like the, sh- the cooks are overworked it's like they're they're fucking doing coke in the back they're all strung out do you feel like it's working to like a more healthy environment for cooks, a more healthy environment and for certain people? places, man? Right? Not every place. Yeah. Well, Bourdain spoke on this before his passing, and he was saying he kind of misses that old like cut your teeth mentality that would happen mm-hmm. in a in a kitchen back in the day, and that the only time the first time he had his own self respect was when he became a dishwasher, right, at a restaurant, and. Um, he was saying, on one hand, he does miss the way that it used to be brutal back then. But on the other hand, it's probably not healthy for people to be putting, like, laying their hands on, on each other in the back of a kitchen. You know, right. people getting slapped around in kitchens back mm-hmm. in the day, you know? So. Yeah, because even some of these older cookbooks I'm going through, like Joe Beef and some of these ones up in, like, Canada, it still has, like, these hardcore, like, old French kind of kitchens. Like, these guys are throwing busboys in the dumpsters. They're, like, riding the stages they're riding the prep cooks and everything isn't a lot of the long days though like the the cooks want to be there that long like they just they're so um i guess control freak like they're like i I can't do this they can't do this as well as me i need to be the one that makes sure that this happens correctly i i feel that way and uh, i hate leaving early i remember david chang said that he was like that for a long time right where instead of just like make he compared it to the nba he was like he was russell westbrook he mm-hmm. wasn't trying to involve his teammates to make him better he was just like get out of the way i'll do it okay and it, you know? it does come in like that man sometimes a mentality because it's like you don't want to have to somebody screw it up and then start all over or you know what now this pushed us back a few minutes you know or an hour just to get this taken care of now because somebody was half-assing it or didn't give a shit about it because they were trying to leave and go do some something else, you know? Right. It's very, like, that's one thing that I learned about the kitchen is if you're going to do it, do it right the first time. That way nobody fucks up. Well, that's know? everything. If you're going to do it, you might as well do it right. Yeah. And I feel that way prepping because it's, like, something that that specifically gets hammered into me because if I fuck up in the morning, then someone else either has to redo my thing or, like, in the middle of service, it's, like, they didn't have enough, they ran out, it's yeah. off the menu. It doesn't taste right, so now someone's got to go do things to order and that messes up five other people and then the next morning I hear it from not just the chef but then from those five other cooks the amount of times that you hear it you want to minimize it drives me nuts I feel like prep cooks get overlooked at they're underestimated that nobody really shows them love because they're like oh you're not here working the line with us but yeah the line would not fucking work if these guys weren't there setting everything up for you where would you guys like the hierarchy of the kitchen what's like who's the strongest one well what the rankings of like what perception is and the rankings of what reality is i think for i mean you know what? go ahead because i i have a i have a strong opinion but i don't want to like what do you got i'd say the strongest one that gets underestimated are the dishwashers 
Hell yeah. A good dishwasher is like super hard to come by. Because once, I mean, if you were not a fucking plate, how are you going to put food out? And I can tell you this firsthand because in February, Brian Cass will uh, invited me to come out. Oh, he didn't invite me. He was in the fucking trenches. And he was like, hey, uh, I had some guys show up that were supposed to cook with me this wine dinner. I don't have fucking nobody here. Can you can you get your ass over here and help me? I'm like, fuck it. I was lit. I literally had my shirt in the car. I don't know why I had it in there. My my line cook shirt. I was like, fuck it. I put it on. Drove over there. I was in fucking shorts and tennis shoes, and I was cooking with him and another chef the whole time for 120 people, and it was a six course meal, man. So it was a, an ass whooping. And then after all these people leave and we finish cooking, there's no fucking dishwasher. <laughs> so the guy that does like help out, you know, the repair guy, the handyman that's there. He was, like, washing dishes for us and helping us. And then at the end, we're all like, fuck it. We got to help this guy. We're not going to leave him here all night. So I feel like the dishwasher gets on. Nobody shows him love. Okay, so who, who, okay, we've got the chef. We've got the line cooks. We've got the prep cooks. You got sous chefs. You got sous, got chef. sous chefs. Sometimes you got, you got like, you chef de cuisine or you, you have, have a, okay, so. Kitchen manager. Yeah. Okay, so let's, let's narrow it down to five. Okay. And then rank them. Most, okay. like, overlooked. No, like who is who is the most important to a kitchen? Like where is if you have something weak, are you gonna notice first? You know no, what I mean? No, my question for you, are you talking about also when the kitchen's set or yeah, when you're it's to, it's, when you're talking about creativity? Because creativity always comes from the it's top. It's straight from the chef, but you know, like sometimes chef Saturday, Sunday takes off and he has somebody else running at the pass. It's like sometimes the sous chef's doing it, somebody somebody else is like So the actual core of the restaurant. Right. No, so the menu's already established. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Okay, so I think I can't knock it. Like you have a shitty dishwasher, it messes up everything. You're not getting pots back, you're not getting your pans like quickly. There's no plates going out. If you're in the weeds and you have somebody who's like taking their time or not getting stuff back, everyone's backed up. Yeah. You know? We've been rotating through like dishwashers recently, and it's been the biggest pain for everybody. But, but okay, so they could be the most unappreciated, but you wouldn't put them first in the in the hierarchy. I'd be top three, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Why is it so hard to get the list from you? <laughs> just give all right. Me the okay. List. So if I because I, I feel like it just depends on the day, man. Like honestly, that's such a like a, well, a no, weird on a day by day basis. Day by day basis, who are you going to notice the first if somebody's not pulling their weight? Oh, dishwashers, man. I think mm-hmm. dishwashers, man. Yeah. Dishwashers, yeah. I think... Then you probably have, like, a... For me, I think a tie for prep cooks, line cooks. Yeah. I think in a lot of kitchens, you always see the line cook. And especially in, like, open kitchens, it looks really cool. But this is the thing about line cooks. Line cooks, after a while, they can replace each other amongst themselves, you know? Yeah. So, let's say if us three are cooking together and you can't come through, one of us can handle your station, our station, or we can split the Someone's station. Someone's, like, floating kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So to me, that's the least. But prep cooks, I would put as as the second most because is there something outside of outside of prep cook that involves more than just following directions? What do you mean? The amount of time, man. Right. Like they get overwhelmed with a bunch of shit. Like okay. at Reef, they had to fucking make macaroni, right? Make all this cheese to melt into that macaroni, shape the macaroni into a cube, and then coat it with breading. And then have it, you know, cold enough to be able to fry it for service at night. And they have to do that for crab cakes. They have to do a bunch of shit, man. And it was, I'm, at Reef, it was four ladies, man, doing this. And 
they would get overwhelmed also because they also had caterings and they wouldn't hire more staff for catering so it would be those same ladies making all this stuff for catering you know god i i think it gets for me at least when we get loaded up in the morning it's immediately stressful it's like because no one's going to be able to pick this up because like you can't fucking have stock going in the middle of service service it's like oh we need you to roast chicken to throw in the stock and then it's got to sit to make you for like six more hours so it's like you do it now while i'm in the middle of something else so i gotta drop this do this other thing and then come back to this and then i gotta clear out at like three o'clock because then five other cooks show up if dishwasher is such a important part to a kitchen why are they usually the lowest paid and the one that I haven't worked in a kitchen since I was in my early 20s but usually the one that was getting yelled at the most nobody wants to work as a dishwasher though. that's why that's why but yeah. if you paid them more you feel like you would have more willing I feel like you work at a decent kitchen the dishwasher is usually getting paid at least 10 an hour well I mean that's I don't the, know the that's, what, other, the that's like thing, $50 less I mean $30 less today than a prep a, cook like, so. Well, I, honestly, I couldn't answer that question about why they get paid less, but it's just how they've been put for many years. Yeah, it's who wants like, to be a dishwasher kind of thing? In that case, like, everybody will want to be a dishwasher and nobody will want to cook. Restaurants know? already have it good where they've already been like, hey, um, customers, you, you guys pay our wait staff salary. If we don't do that, you guys pay that. So, <laughs> I got you, yeah. <laughs> um, so you would think... I would, I would think, like, or I would hope at least, and like the at least the nicer ones that are like are busy every single day that we're looking at a fifteen dollar an hour dishwasher. Hopefully, oh, I, I don't see that. Man. I don't see it. That's I've a never, shame. I've never it, because you know, because you know, I that wish these, that was like a is, case man. because it it's is. like yeah, because you is. know these owners who of these successful restaurants are doing quite nice, and us as the customer are making sure that these waiters are making you know they tip fast sixty to ninety thousand dollars an hour at yeah. the right. I mean, not an hour, a year it's at the. Fun. At the right well, restaurant, so I mean, I'm not gonna mention his name, but there was a guy that worked with me at Reef. This guy is fucking awesome, and uh, the guy had three benzes, dude. Yeah, three benzes, and he was a server. Yeah, the yeah, server. Most server, servers just took off to Germany for like a whole. I gotta week. catch myself sometime. I'm like a fat tipper, and I'm like, why am I making sure this guy makes like a hundred thousand a year? And, and I, I, it, it drives me nuts. Hovering around the poverty I feel like line. They're the. They're also the best actors and i think that's why in la actors become servers because they can they no seriously this this is fucking true because they can fit any role and i like a, i like to, f- to accommodate to accommodate a customer yeah They're like oh nice hat man yeah you know and they can find a topic right away to talk to you and you're like oh i feel welcome i feel comfortable enough and then you're like eating you're like thanks man you know whatever fat like tip. kissing your ass and it's like boom fat tip waiter waiter pet peeves number one for me the guy who gets on a knee. Damn it! That we talked about this the other day. Puts both of his hands on the table. <laughs> what are we having, guys? Hey guys, when we he acts it. like he's part of your party. Oh, the guy who like sits. If he sits at your table. Scoot over, you. Scoot over. Let me. Yeah. Let's let's take. Let me take a seat. They they especially like to do if there's like an elderly woman at your table. Oh they think, yeah. They're like, oh, I'm really gonna put I, on the charm. My biggest pet peeve from from a server is uh, when they're they're completely full of shit. Like they'll try to have a relation with you or they'll say something to you to kind of relate and you're like yeah what the fuck are you talking about that's you that does not even exist just, or it doesn't you're, happen. Like, not it not make any sense what you're saying yeah. yeah i totally get that um yeah i don't think i've i worked as a waiter at my that was my first job ever 
and I think I tried the knee move once. I think I told you about this. We had one guy at the restaurant I worked at who was always on one knee talking. I tried doing it at one God, table. You seem like a waiter. You what just you, get out you of here. You just seem like a How waiter. You, he's you. more waiter than cook, isn't he? Oh my he? gosh. <laughs> just the way you, the way you walk into the room. Do you just like want to be mean to me? Is this, <laughs> why is that mean? I took your parking spot? <laughs> why is that mean? Though? What do you mean by that? He, that's why he's we're parked trashing. out there in the front. That's why he's parking out the front. Are you trashing? <laughs> <laughs> I, tra- I tried to warn y'all about that one i think the speaker oh you're good you're good you pause it so guys we had a mic fall um off of its stand and make kind of a abrupt interruption to our podcast so that'll be the end of part one tune in tomorrow to hear the second part of the interview with daniel of Akamer. thanks for listening institution.